Welcome to Enriched Menopause, where perimenopausal and menopausal women can learn what's going on with their bodies and how to thrive during this stage and beyond. You are not crazy and you are not alone. I'm Dr. Jessica Rich. Let's do this together. Hello and welcome back to Enriched Menopause. Today is my birthday at the time of this recording. I am turning 43 years young. So for today's episode, I wanted to take things a little bit more on a personal note. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I am going through this journey with you. I am in perimenopause, already starting to feel some of the symptoms. So I wanted to share with you a little bit today about my journey and then bring on a special guest as well to give you a sense of of what's a typical experience for some people and, and what you may be going through yourself. So on my 43rd birthday, I have been noticing a lot more hot flushes that have come probably over the last, you know, six months to a year, getting a little worse. My hot flushes do tend to come and go typically around my menstrual cycle. In fact, that's usually the first warning sign that I have that my menstrual cycle is coming is that I will start to sweat through my pajamas or my t-shirt at night. And I have noticed that I do need to leave an extra set of change of clothes next to the bed at night. I also noticed a little bit more moodiness around that time. And I started to notice some of that weight gain around the midsection that many of us start to experience, even though, you know, we're still doing the things that we've always done with diet and exercise. So to manage those symptoms, again, with the hot flushes, mine are pretty mild and they really only last for a few days around my menstrual cycle. So, so far I've just been managing those with having a change of clothes, but that's definitely something down the line that I may decide to start some supplementation or some hormone replacement therapy in the short term as we go, typically adding back that estrogen. But for now, just the change of clothes and keeping the room cool has been enough for me. And luckily, my husband likes to keep the house a little cold at night, too. So it makes it a little bit easier for us both. For the weight gain around the midsection, this is where I've really started to listen a lot to what our specialists on the podcast have had to say. I started to do more strength exercise into my fitness routine. I've started to work on my stress, doing those daily walks that I love to kind of bring down the cortisol levels, which help with the weight gain, and to work on those areas of nutrition. So adding in more protein, making sure that there's fiber, but not so much processed foods, adding in some supplements like ashwagandha and radiola to help my sleep. And then really working on getting that, like setting that bedtime schedule to go a little bit earlier as well. In addition, of course, the things along the way that I've spoken with some of the specialists incorporating some different things to my cosmetic side to my skin routine, like I've heard from Dr. Clark Loser, and working on just basically incorporating little tips and tricks that I've learned along the way. And I find so far this is really helping to manage the symptoms. So of course, I will keep you all updated as to my progress and how things are going. But this is where I am at 43. Many women often ask me, you know, what they can anticipate with their menopause, when their age will be, what kind of symptoms they have. And honestly, as as we've talked about before, there is really no 
crystal ball to say that your menopause will go a certain way. But one of the best predictors is really to talk with the other women in your family, your mother, your sisters, to see, you know, what their experience was like. And that may not be your exact experience, but it can give you some clues and they can be a little bit similar. So today I'd like to bring on my mother to talk about her story and what we're going through. Mom, welcome. Thanks, Jess. Happy birthday, sweetie. Thank you. Happy delivery day to you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I reminisced about that this morning before I called and wished you a happy birthday. Know exactly <laughs> where I was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I know I'm starting to go through some of these symptoms in my early 40s. And I remember back to when I was a teenager, when you were in your early 40s and, and starting to go through some of that. So can you walk us through a little bit of that process, you know, when things started for you and what you were feeling at the time? First of all, I I did my annuals every year religiously. But what I noticed was at about 40 it was really early that I was having like memory fog a little bit um, at that time, selling real estate. My moods were up and down, you know, they were constant, but then they would go way out of whack. Same with sleep patterns and hot flashes. And my periods became a little sporadic. So I had to convince my doctor that it could be early menopause because it was pretty early I think at 41, she said, yes, you are in early menopause. For me, that was like, yay, thank you. I'm not going insane. And I started on HRT, hormone replacement therapy at that point mm -hmm. in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that can be a struggle for a lot of people, especially because you know, like I have mentioned before, OBGYNs, we don't get a whole lot of menopause training in the typical sort of standard care. And everybody thinks about, okay, well, menopause happens on average around age 51. But that doesn't mean that those symptoms of perimenopause can't start, you know, even in the mid 30s to early 40s. And, and they can be pretty bothersome. And if I remember correctly, I think you had started like a birth control pill first. Is that right? Yep. She started me birth control first. I think it was a couple of years. Remember, this is the olden days, Jess. <laughs> but then we transitioned over pretty early on. Before I was 45, I was taking hormone replacement. I also noticed at that time that my skin felt like it was turning into lizard skin a little bit. So more, more lotion, your cuticles cracked more often, you know, just a little bit of dryness mm -hmm. didn't feel quite normal. And then when I started the hormone replacement therapy, it felt like my skin got back its glow. It kind of leveled out my moods because I really wasn't having periods. And also I had my tubes tied at 24. So I think that was pretty early to have your tubes tied as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, you did have your tubes tied at a, at a bit of a younger age, but you had all, all three of us kids by then. So I think yep. that was the right call. <laughs> yes, it was. So you weren't really using it, of course, for contraception, but using it for the effects of the hormone replacement therapy. And it sounds like it made you feel overall a lot better. So skin changes. And then how about the mood and the brain fog and the periods? How were those? The brain fog? Yes, just leveled it out so that you had clarity of mind. It would come on like like you're saying with your hot flashes. 
all of a sudden you're like, uh, where, what was I thinking? What was I doing? You know, kind of thing, a little fogginess. And I hated the hot flashes because for me, they were not night sweats. They were hot flashes, morning, noon, and night. And I remember I would practice the minute they would come on, I'd breathe really shallow and close my eyes and try to just not move a muscle so that they would go away <laughs> quick. But once once I was on uh, the hormone replacement therapy and the uh, birth control, it really helped level things out where you were functioning. They didn't go away 100%, but they were much less of a nuisance. Was there a time that they ever did go away 100%? Once I got past my 40s into my early 50s, I wasn't having any periods at all. I think I felt like I was on top of the world, you know, because I didn't have symptoms to speak of at all. I know that late 50s, I had some bleeding, which was cysts, you know, fibroid cysts. But yeah, there was a time where it really took, took away everything until the day when they, I couldn't take it anymore, which was a very sad day mentally for me. <laughs> I know, of course, because I'm your daughter and an OBGYN, that you were on hormone replacement therapy much longer than, than I would have recommended for you. And of course, I tried to convince you otherwise, but you had your own doctor and everybody has their own journey. But you were on your hormone replacement therapy for a good, you know, about 20 years until, of course, you were diagnosed with breast cancer, which I know is a difficult diagnosis to get in the first place, but then having to also make that transition off of hormone replacement therapy to go through the surgery and the radiation therapy and, and then even some anti-hormone treatments. Tell us a little bit about that process from the sort of menopausal perspective. You know, I started out at one dose of hormone replacement therapy. And as I aged, my doctor did decrease it down to the lowest that I could take. So yes, and it was just shy of 20 years. When I had the diagnosis, and I had to completely go off of any kind of hormone replacement therapy, and you had the cancer diagnosis, you know, once you were dealing with that, the thing that was really apparent to me was my skin change again, it dried out, I felt like I aged five years overnight, and maybe not true. But in my mind, I did, I lost some hair, it felt brittle, it wasn't as shiny, my sweats increased again, night and day, I can say I had mood swings. But I think a lot of that was also compounded, because I was dealing with cancer. That was a real struggle for me, the transition to go off of the hormone replacement therapy and then go on to an estrogen blocker, which didn't allow for any of my estrogen to come through. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. And that was a tough one because there are side effects with your estrogen blockers too that I take my anti-cancer medicine, which by the way, I only have one year to take and I'm counting down those days. <laughs> Right. And yes, there are definitely some side effects to taking those medications. It's a little bit of balancing the side effects with the risks of recurrence of cancer. And I, I just want to be clear to everybody listening 
that yes, while we think of hormone replacement therapy does increase the risk of breast cancer, that increase in risk is less than 1%. So it's not to say that you got breast cancer because you were on hormone replacement therapy for nearly 20 years. That may have contributed to it, but we'll really never know whether or not you know, you would have still had the cancer anyways, if you had not been on the hormones. And then of course, you're balancing that with your quality of life symptoms as well. But definitely, once the cancer diagnosis is there, we do know that continuing with the hormone replacement therapy can increase your risk of recurrence of breast cancer, not typically just like a vaginal estrogen, but the systemic hormone replacement therapy that you are going through. And, and I do think that that's such a hard thing to go through, not only getting the diagnosis of cancer, but then taking away medications that have been helping how you're feeling and then adding in medications that can have more side effects. So I'm so sorry that you've had to go through all of this, mom. I know it's it's a real struggle to to deal with all of that at once. It has been, but it's also been a learning curve for me and having my daughter be the physician that she is, the rock star, has actually helped me because I like to gather information and you recommending the natural, the relizin that I take in the morning that kind of helps balance my sweats, if you want to call that. That's helped a lot. Taking my cancer medicine at night when I'm going to go to sleep, that has helped a lot. I still get my night sweats. I do sleep with a fan on my face. Increasing my regimen for uh, lotion for my body and for my face. But also the one thing that I've been really tracking is because one of the side effects is my bone density, the leaching of calcium. And you have to be very careful with that, with the cancer medicine that I'm taking. So I made it a point a couple of years ago to start doing a trainer to increase my muscle mass. I've lost zero bone density and to look at my diet and my nutrition. I'm still active at work. I have increased more walking. But one thing I've noticed, especially for me, is I increased my proteins and my good carbohydrates, but I will have to watch diligently any sugars. If I have a glass of wine or a gin and tonic, which I love at night, my night sweats are increased. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting that whatever my body's doing to break my everything down and, and help me in my sleep, that does increase my night sweats. So I have to make a choice. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think all of those things have kept myself and my personal esteem. When I look in the mirror, that's 90% of it, but also keeping my muscle mass up and my bone density. I'm, you know, 66 years old, 66 and a half. (laughs) So I think that matters a lot. Mm. Yes. And I I think you've done an awesome job working with your trainer and getting the strength back for sure and keeping up that muscle mass and bone density and a a great job with eating the whole food. And definitely, as you said, the alcohol, caffeine, sugars, all of those things can increase the night sweat. So it is usually a choice not to say that you can never have those things, but you know, it might make a difference. And and honestly, your experience is is not the typical for everybody. So a lot of women who come off of hormone replacement therapy in their 60s will, of course, notice some of the cosmetic changes that you've noticed, like in the skin and the hair and the nails, and that's pretty typical. And there are other things that you can do for that, like you said, a different skin or care routine and and just managing those things a little bit differently. 
having the hot flushes come back is a little bit atypical. For most people, once they've gotten through that transition, the hot flushes will go away. But for some, especially when you have to take the cancer medications that you do, that can have more of that sort of side effect of the hot flushes and the night sweats. So you mentioned there relizin, which is a natural supplement that, of course, I recommended to you for the hot flushes. It's non-estrogenic. It's one that I recommend to a lot of patients. And you feel like that's been helping you? I think it does. It helps the the daytime quite a bit. And, you know, the hot flashes are definitely a side effect of the cancer drug that I take, according to my oncologist. So I'm Mm -hmm. hopeful that those hot flashes will go away in a year. (laughs) So hopefully when you're off of the medications, when you no longer need them, but, you know, we could always keep going with the relism supplement if you need. And then the the diet and exercise things that you're doing to manage your symptoms, I think, of course, are super helpful as well. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think you also, you know, as you age and your estrogen is, is decreasing, you know, a lot of people can have arthritis. I inherited that from my mother. Thank you very much. <laughs> also, that's that's another increased side effect. So doing the weight training and watching how you add food to your diet, that has helped a whole lot with the pain of arthritis for me as well. And by the way, I think you look beautiful as much as you've noticed cosmetic (laughs) changes. I think you're looking pretty good and not just for your age. You look gorgeous. (laughs) I would hope that you would say that about your mother because you you are my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, we talked about, you know, the symptoms and how you're managing with this now. But also, as I like to talk with people about, I think that menopause and a lot of these transitions can open up new opportunities and life changes and kind of help you to look at life in a new way. And I I know that you've made a lot of changes in your life during this transition. So tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the the changes that have come and, and your perspective on that now. I think what's become important to me, even though I'm still working full time, is my attitude. I take a moment in the morning to just when I wake up, I, I lay in bed and I, I think about my day and I think of it, you know, in a positive way, which starts my day, helps me to stay neutral and appreciative, I guess, of, of the sense. So I think, you know, we rush around so much in our 20s, 30s and 40s with our job and our children that sometimes we don't take that time to just appreciate each day. And I think as much as I want to be a hundred and know it, I look mm-hmm. at that and say, okay, today's going to be a good day. And I, you know, I try to stay conscious of that. So those changes have really been important to me to, you know, stop and smell the roses, you know, to, to look around and just find peace and joy in just my everyday things, whatever they are. And also if things come up that make me anxious or angry, to know that that's a stress creator and to take a couple of deep breaths and figure out a different way of handling it. Even with my job and working with people in that, I really am trying to encounter them in a different way. And it's affecting everything I do. It's affecting my friendships um, are stronger. I think my relationships are stronger. My health is great. Now, am I going to be in a bodybuilding contest? No. But my my strength and my health, I feel really 
like a sexy woman. So I think that the things over this last few years with the cancer helped to start me in that role of appreciating each day, look at what I can do for myself to to make uh, myself stronger and healthier mentally, physically, emotionally. Those are the changes that I, I continue to make each day. That's really the most important part in this transition is really getting the mindset piece because we can go and go and go until our bodies tell us we can't quite go anymore and working on how we perceive the stress because it's it's not going to go away necessarily, but how we perceive it, how we manage it is going to affect every part of our, our lives, how we perceive that stress, how we interact in our relationships, how we get through day to day and how it affects our bodies physically as well. So I'm so glad to, to watch you going through that transition and to, to incorporate it myself too, as, as your example. Yeah, it's funny. Plus, I don't know about many of you listening, but if you've got grandkids, you got to keep up with them. This granny's going to be able to keep up with them. Now, I know you're thinking more about sort of the most recent changes, especially coming off of the hormone replacement therapy. But I really, you know, looking back at your transition and kind of what you went through from the whole perimenopausal transition into postmenopause, there were a lot of major life changes there. Of course, there was a divorce in there, which isn't always a bad thing. Yes, my parents are, are divorced, but very friendly now. But there was a, a divorce in the perimenopausal years. There was a move across the country. There was a change of jobs. There was a whole change of lifestyle. There were a lot of major changes that I do think a lot of women think about in this time. And, and you actually did. And you know, I don't know if it was partly due to where you were at at this stage in life to kind of give you that the confidence to just go and do it, or if you were just kind of more making it up as you went. But how do you see this whole sort of transition now kind of, you know, looking back as you were going through it? Well, as my daughter knows, I usually fly by the seat of my pants. She's right, though. My husband and I were married for 21 years, 22 years, probably never have a 25th wedding anniversary, which was something. <laughs> but we are good friends. And we were able to be friends because we found what we liked about each other, the commonalities, and accepted that there were places that were really important to both of us where we didn't fit. So one of the things that in all the transition from early perimenopause and the hormones in that is being okay with just being by yourself and working on who I am as an individual. I'm not afraid of change. And I did decide to pack up and move completely cross country, give up a, a lucrative career of 22 years and not know what I was going to do. Kind of took six months of asking myself that question. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And picked a career. Some of you who know Jesse know that I own a little movie theater in Napa Valley. Yes, it's glamorous. <laughs> you know, everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's great. Yes, but it's also one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. We have survived COVID. We have survived fires. And it the theater is 110 years old. Uh, not as lucrative as real estate, but it's important for me to be part of a community and to have a sense of helping that helps me with who I am as a human being. So to come cross country, 
to basically try to figure out what was my next step. And when this opportunity arose, just going, okay, that sounds like fun. And I really, and Jesse can attest to this, I didn't know anything about running a movie theater. And I would call her crying a lot of times because as we all know, when we do something new, when you become a parent, when you start a new job, you're overwhelmed and your emotional uh, well gets filled all the way up to the top and overflowing and you don't even know how you're going to get through it or do it. But each day got a little bit better. There's have been a lot of challenges along the way. I recently, after being single for a very, very long time, entered into a really fulfilling partnership. And that was really scary for me because that meant that I opened myself up to another human being on an intimate level. And Jesse knows, you know, here's my daughter and I got to ask her questions. But also it meant that I had to bend. And instead of just having a party of one, I became a party of two. And boy, has that been an interesting journey of self-evaluation. And I joyful, I can't say that I don't have challenges, but I look at myself and I imagine a rose. And when little things, and we all know this, our partners can annoy us from time to time. I think of that as I'm a rose with thorns and I try to rub my thorns off and take a deep breath. So that's been a challenge, but I'm so excited because I have someone in my corner besides my family and close friends who loves me unconditionally. And that has given me the courage. I've been doing this movie theater thing for a long time, 66 and a half. And now I'm looking at what's the next adventure. So I think through all of this up and down, once you get past the emotional craziness and the questioning and you get in the groove, then it allows you to breathe and to grow until you wonder, okay, what's next? And that's kind of what's happened to me and where I am. I love that because, of course, you know, probably back when your mom was going through menopause, a lot of people thought of that as like an end of things, like the end of sexiness, the end of opportunities and kind of like a slowing down in life. But it's not really that anymore. It's a transition which can feel tumultuous at first and it can feel awkward and it can be uncomfortable and it can be hard work. But that like keeping yourself open to the opportunities that can come and and leaving yourself that chance to learn new things as scary as it may be like that's what keeps life interesting and that's what keeps us going so I I love that for you and I hope that for everyone who's listening what do you wish is there anything else that you would like to tell our listeners what do you wish other women knew in this phase during perimenopause and menopause it's not the end of the world you know (laughs) it's a change And it's a challenge. And I hope that women who are going through the same thing go, okay, it's not going to defeat me. So let me learn how to live with menopause and how to elevate my experience so that I'm still having fun. I'm still rocking it. I'm still putting a smile on my face because, you know, there are, I, I can see it and I've seen it with some friends in that where it can defeat you, where you just, you don't feel like getting out of bed or you don't, you know, want to challenge yourself. And, you know, for me, that's, that's the thing that I think you have to say, we're not dead. 
And you know what? We can rock it uh, until we're 100 years old. And I, I believe that. I think that if it takes work and it takes sometimes just reaching out to someone you're close with, whether that's a family member or a friend. My daughter has listened to me cry a million times. But at the same time, you know, just having somebody say, it's okay, you're going to get through it. And you know what, if you're having a bad day, and you want to eat a carton of ice cream, go for it. And then the next day you go for a walk and go to see your trainer. So I think you <laughs> give yourself permission to be okay with these changes, to embrace them, because you can't stop them. And then to find a way to elevate the experience. Beautifully said, mom. Well, I think that you are an excellent example. I've learned so much from you watching you go through this transition and, of course, everything else. And I think our listeners will, too. Oh, my God. I love it, Jess. <laughs> like a mother-daughter team. <laughs> Perfect. Love you. Love you, too. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and share with someone in your life who may benefit from this, too. Remember that while I am a doctor, this podcast does not constitute medical advice and is for informational purposes only. Talk with your doctor about what may apply to you and your health. We'll see you on the next episode of Enrich Menopause.